exciting to be here. New Philadelphia Shilim. I'm really glad to be with you guys. Uh, once again, I want to just welcome all the newcomers, all the people, whether this is your first or second Sunday. God's doing something special here. And uh, I want you guys to get excited. I want you guys to catch what's happening in the spirit. Um, this isn't about any individuals. This isn't even about a specific group of people. This is about what God is doing here at New Philadelphia Shilim. And so the title of today's sermon is going to be Joy and Expectation. Joy and Expectation. And uh, as I'm here, I'm going to share, as I've been appointed the campus pastor along with my wife, Sky. I think it's important for you guys to hear a little bit about our lives and uh, to learn from us, um, to, to really receive what we have for you. Because I've gone through a lot of different struggles uh, in my life, and I've experienced a lot of victories. I've also experienced a lot, a lot of failures. And I don't want you guys to repeat the same mistakes, and I want you guys to have faith for greater things. And so we'll be sharing some stories a bit in our sermons, and uh, today I'm going to share a little bit about how God led me, not led me, but uh, how God took care of me moving into an orphanage here in Korea. Uh, and I'm also going to share a little bit about my marriage with Sky and uh, how God brought that together. And I share our love story, sorry, you would save that for another time, uh, but just a little bit of how God molded my heart in terms of marriage. Now, I want you guys to open up your Bibles first, though, to Psalm 62, verses 5 through 8. Psalm 62, verse 5 through 8. Joy and expectation. Psalm 62, verse 5 and 8, 5 through 8. I'll read it for us. It says, for God alone, O my soul, wait in silence, for my hope is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. On God rests my salvation and my glory. My mighty rock, my refuge is God. Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. God is a refuge for us. This is a word that has gone deep into my heart. And I've lived it out. And my message to you guys today, the gist of it is very simple. But it's this. Our hope and our expectation can be rooted in no other but Jesus. In Jesus alone. Our hope, our expectation, our joy, our everything must be fully dependent on him and him alone. And uh, for me, I, I uh, came to Korea at the end of 2005. It was December 29, 2005. I flew from Virginia out to South Korea to live in Jion Boyugwan, Jion Christian Children's Home. And uh, I graduated from Virginia Tech with an engineering degree earlier that year. I'd work construction, just waiting on the Lord to guide me. And then through very extraordinary circumstances, God directed me very clearly to this specific orphanage here in South Korea. And uh, I'll probably share that story with you guys at another time, how God led me to Korea. Uh, if you want to hear it, you can listen to a sermon I preached in 2013, Waiting for the Marshmallow. Uh, it's a sermon really about seeking your calling. Uh, but today I want to share a little bit about after I arrived. You see, I came to Korea without any friends, without any missions group. Uh, I moved into a children's home with 88 kids babies to high school seniors, and I lived in the quarantine room where kids would go when they were sick, okay? So that was my little room, and uh, I would wake up, and I would eat with the kids, I would teach them English, I would play with them, and I only knew a few words of Korean. I knew isoyo and kayo. I knew like those two words, and uh, I worked them a lot. But uh, that was about it. And for the kids and for the staff in the children's home, almost none of them could speak any English at all. And so here I am. I arrive in Korea. I, I find out about this church. So I came January 1st, 2006 was my first service at this church. That was um, three different pastors ago. Uh, this church has changed a lot since then. And I, I was just gradually meeting new people. But I went through a lot of loneliness as a missionary. And uh, I... I'm living in this children's home with so many kids, 
and I'm just overwhelmed because I'm an introvert to start, start with. And so just a big crowd of people, it wears me out. But a big crowd of people that's speaking a foreign language that's filled with energy, the little kids, I would get exhausted. I would be with the kids for like an hour. Then I have to go to my room and just lay for a few hours and, and just try and, and revive. And uh, it, it wasn't easy, to say the least. I mean, you guys can imagine being a missionary in a foreign country, not having your family, not having your friends. And, uh, you know, there'd be different times where I would have to pray. And, and you know, I'd even just cry, just just feeling sad, you know, feeling lonely. And, and I would ask God, just, just encourage me today. You know, help me out today. And I'd gone to Korea knowing that my expectation, my hope, it had to be in the Lord. It couldn't be in these kids because I couldn't communicate with them. It couldn't be in any friends or ministry because I didn't have that. It couldn't be in this church because I, I didn't even know if I would commit to this church. Just came to it, you know, once or twice early that year. But God, he never failed me. And I remember specifically one night where my heart was so heavy. And uh, I just prayed, God, help me connect. Help me have some, just give me some hope. And uh, then, you know, I prayed for a bit. And I went downstairs for dinner. And, you know, typically I would get my food and I would sit down. And I would just eat the food. And I would have to pray because it's like, God, I don't like this food. But help me eat this, you know. And, and I would just eat. And the kids would look at me and they'd, you know, chitter-chatter in Korean. But there was very little connection. Well, that one night I went down. And uh, I was sitting with, with a bunch of young girls, and, and they're just talking, talking, and, and I'm eating. And then I heard, like, I don't know what I heard, but it was movie titles, like Tom Cruise, you know, or like Tom Cruise, or like, you know, different names. And I, suddenly I recognized it, like, oh, I know that movie, or Jim Keddy, like, oh, I know Jim Carrey. And so I started, like, speaking Konglish, you know, trying to, like, speak the names of movie titles in Korean. And we started to connect. And they got all excited um, because they kept calling me Smithsu, Smithsu, Smithsu. And I'm like, what is Smithsu? And uh, there was a movie, I'm going to pronounce it wrong, but Welcome to Dongmakor, where there's a white guy in it named Smith, Smith. And, and our similarities are that we're white, and, and that's about it. But, but they were like, you're Smith, and, and going nuts. And, and it was just good because I actually had conversation. Even though it was just movie titles and emotions, you know, but I was connecting with them. And so God was taking care of me. And one of the greatest ways God took care of me was uh, actually the baby room. You see, for me, my number one love language is touch. I grew up in a family where hugs very prevalent. Okay, so please don't be alarmed if I give you a hug. Okay, um, it, it's just, it's, it's an act of love uh, from my family. It was very, very, all the time, come, you know, leave for school, give mom a hug, come home, give mom a hug, you know, all the time. And so coming to Korea, suddenly I'm in a culture where hugs are kind of taboo. Uh, you don't, don't really, you know, like, hey, welcome to the home, you know, give them a hug. And they're like, no, you know, get away from me, you creep. So, so I was really lacking in my dominant love language. And uh, even coming to this church, I just, I didn't know anybody. And, and um, you know, you just got to kind of let relationships build. And so there was an emptiness within me, uh, just, just needing touch, just needing some sort of contact. And I remember I went to the baby room for the first time, and there was a lot of young little boys. And then one little girl named Yunji, and um, she was a tomboy, uh, go figure, living with all these boys uh, in there. She was about one and a half years old. And when I went in, she immediately took to me. And she would jump up and waddle over and, like, lift up her arms to me. And, you know, want me to pick her up and want to play games. And it shocked the staff because they had had a lot of different volunteers come, male volunteers as well. And Yunji was just super tomboy, super just not interested in anyone. I'm just play by myself, one of those little girls. But for whatever reason, she just attached to me. And so I would go in, and she would just jump up in my arms and just hold on to me tight. And, and she would learn, she learned my name right away. She didn't know the names of other social workers, but she learned my names. They, they got a little jealous, but uh, it's okay. And uh, it meant so much to me. And so in those early months, especially 2006, as I'm learning the language, as I'm trying to connect with the kids, on those nights where I would feel just empty and lonely, I would have prayer time, I would seek the Lord, and then sometimes I just feel the Lord saying, just go to the baby room. And I would go down to the baby room, and they would let me in, and Yunji would just run to me. And, and I would hold her for a while, and then I'd play games with her and with the other boys. 
And God was just taking care of my love tank. He was providing for me. And I'm so thankful for Yunji, and I'm so thankful for how he took care of me during that first year and a half when I was just very much alone here in Korea. And then what happened in 2007, near the summer of 2007, I got word from one of the social workers that Yunji would be re, uh, returning to her family, uh, that she had been put in the home because uh, her mom was, uh, I believe her mom was really young, couldn't take care of her, uh, but now her mom was a little bit older and in a place to be able to take care of her and so that she would be going back. And when I heard the news, there was the immediate conflict in my heart where it was like, no, you know, not, not you and G, like she means so much to me. But at the same time, this is so much better for her to be raised with her mom and with her relatives than to be raised in an orphanage. And so I, I just, I didn't really process it, to be honest. I just kind of put it aside in my heart. I knew we had her for a few more weeks. And, um, but when the day finally came uh, for her to leave, I remember I went down to the baby room. She had no idea what was going on. She was only, I guess at that time, about two and a half. And, uh, and so, you know, I picked her up, played with her for a bit. And uh, then, you know, I just spoke some love over her. I could barely speak Korean still at that time, but I just spoke some words and, and uh, say to, said a prayer in English, you know, and, and she's just like, you know, playing and, and whatnot. And I said goodbye. And uh, she went off, ran away, and, and uh, I went back to my room. And uh, I was going to have some prayer time, and I just felt that heaviness in my heart. And I felt God say right away, he said, just let it out. Just, just let it out. And I just broke down right there as I thought about Yunji. And I just, tears started streaming down my face. And I just began to thank God uh, for giving her to me, for, for letting her be in my life, for letting me be in her life for that year and a half. And... I'll be honest, in that moment, I felt almost like anger, like, God, how could you take her from me? You know, how could you do this to me? She means so much. But I knew what God was saying was she was a gift for this time. She was a gift for this time. Just praise me for her. And so I just did that. I began to remember different precious memories with Yunji and just express my thanks to the Lord uh, for her. And uh, I prayed for her and I just committed her to the Lord. And I said, God... My hope is in you. My trust is in you. And just as you've blessed me so much with Yunji, I know that you're going to bless me so much with many more, with so many other people. And I pray, help me love them as you love them, and help me be able to let go of them in that right time and not hold on to them. Help me truly have your heart. And uh, that was the way I prayed. And... It was a tough day, uh, I'm not going to lie. It was a hard day for me, uh, saying goodbye to Yunji and, and, and letting her go from my heart. But when I look back to Yunji, there's no sadness. There is no regret. There is no... It's just she's one of the sweetest stories in my life. Because that was one of the, the hardest days, one of the hardest years of my life, coming here as a missionary, living in the children's home. And God blessed me so much through her. There is no regret in my time with her. And uh, what I've recognized with people like Yunji is that my expectation for the provision of my needs must never be dependent on man. It can never be dependent on Yunji. It can never be dependent on these girls speaking about movies. It's got to be on the Lord. And what I knew is that at some point, and I had thought about this before Yunji had to go home, before I even knew that she would be leaving, what would happen in like 10 years? You know, Yunji would start to hit that awkward stage, you know. Things change. The relationships are never the same. It's not like I'm going to be picking her up all the time, all her life, and her holding on to me. There's going to be a moment in my life, I just knew it was coming, sooner or later, where that dynamic would change. And if all my hope and all my dependence for love was based upon this little girl, at some point she wouldn't be able to, to give that back to me. And, and if I kept being dependent on her, at some point my heart would break. And at some point I would be lost. At some point I would be completely broken. And what God was telling me through this season, and I've had to say goodbye to so many other kids at the children's home. I've had to say goodbye to so many friends living in Korea. People who come here, study abroad. People who come here for a year to teach. I've said goodbye to so many people since I came here in 2005. But there's no regret. There's no breaking of the heart. You see, love never fails. It never dies. 
and it never ends. Love endures forever. And as I've based my expectation in the Lord and I put my trust in him that he will provide my every need, he has never disappointed me. He's given me such fruitful relationships. And when he removes some of those relationships, I don't let my heart break because I'm safe trusting in him. And knowing there might be a season where I gotta find new friends or a season where I gotta find new, new outlets of love and, and new people to receive love from. But I know my trust is secure in Him that it will be provided for. That He will take care of me. Mark 10:29 uh, says that in your lifetime, those who leave, father, mother, brother, sister, those who leave family will receive so much more in this age and in the age to come. See, a lot of people think, oh, treasure's in heaven. You know, I'm going to be a missionary. I'm going to go out. And I'm just going to serve the Lord and die as a martyr and, and, you know, whatever. Okay? That's very empty. And it's not really believing that God cares about you in the now. It's saying, oh, I'm just living for heaven. I'm living for heaven. Who cares about this earth? No, this earth is very precious to the Lord. This family is very precious to the Lord. And what God's revealed to me is that this is a blessing that if I claim, I will receive. Day in and day out. I left my family, I left my friends to come here. And I have gained such a wonderful family here, such wonderful friends, such wonderful relationships that I have no regrets. And I know if God calls me elsewhere, I will get the same there as well. This is why there's so much joy for me to come here to Shilin from Itaewon. I've been at the Itaewon campus the past four years. And I've gained so many beautiful friendships there. So many strong friendships. Uh, I was just there today um, because a a friend had a special announcement. I I just wanted to be there. Such deep friendships at Itaewon. But when it was time for us to come to Shilim, there wasn't this crying and and moaning and, oh, no, you know, i got to leave all my friends. No, there was a great expectation because the expectation was in the Lord. This family is going to be even more special. Itaewon is special for those that are there, but if God's sending me here, this family's going to be so much better for me and for my wife, Sky. This is the expectation I want you guys to have here. Some of you left some of your friends from Hongdae. You know, they're at the 1 o'clock service. You guys are here at the 4 o'clock. And you might feel like, oh, you know, I'm not sure if I really know people here. Now, I don't know how I feel. But Mark 10:29, and it's also in the, in the book of Luke, is you hold to God's truth. God, my expectation is you, is in you. God, you will provide. God, you say that as I follow you and not the man, as I follow you, you will meet all my needs. You will bless me with even greater things. As you walk with him in that, you guys are going to experience family here, friendships here like you've never had before. I guarantee it because it's the truth of God. It's not my truth. It's the truth of the Lord. So while I've... I feel like I've done pretty well in committing a lot of orphans to the Lord over these many years. So many kids have graduated. So many kids have gone back with relatives. Even kids have run away. Um, you know, I've, I've had to say goodbye to many. Said, said goodbye to many friends. I feel like while I've done well, I'm putting my expectations in the Lord for family and for friends. There was one area in my life where uh, I, wa- I wasn't so good at it. And uh, that area was actually marriage. I just couldn't trust God for marriage. Believe it or not, uh, I grew up in Northern Virginia and um, I became a Christian. I was raised in the church. I, I feel like I really put my faith in the Lord uh, when I was 16, um, but I was still pretty immature in high school and I was very girl crazy, uh, believe it or not. And uh, I was just looking for dating relationships, putting all my hope and expectations in marriage and in, in you know, being with someone. And so I was constantly, you know, checking out different girls, pursuing, and uh, I dated, you know, a few different times, and, and it didn't work out that well, you know, what would you expect in high school? And uh, I got, I got a, lot, a lot of different hurts, a lot of different scars, different bitterness, different things that happened, but after those breakups or after those rejections or things, I would just try and move on to the next girl. That was just kind of my mindset. It's going to be better with the next person, Okay. <laughs> Pretty foolish. And uh, when I was, uh, just before I turned 19, during my first year in college, I broke up with a girlfriend. And uh, I began to really pursue the Lord. Uh, it was a time when I discovered worship music. And uh, I, I began to really connect deeper with God's heart. 
And God put in my heart. He said, I want you to give up dating for college. And uh, I, I wanted to get married by the time I was 21 and have kids by 24. Guys, my parents married when they were 18, 19. My sisters married when they were 21. Their husbands were 21, 22. Uh, it's in my family, okay? So this is my expectation. I was reading books on marriage when I was 18. Uh, but God said, I want you to focus on me. And I felt it in my heart. I, I, I could just sense, I, I, I was actually even ashamed of my wasted years in pursuing girls and focusing on them so much that I wasn't focusing on the Lord at all. And so I agreed to it, and I have no regret for that decision. Uh, my time in college was so special. Now, I'm not saying everybody needs to make that vow you know, in college or anything like that. It was special for me, but for me, obeying God in that was so special because I was just focused on him. And my relationships were very plutonic. They're very clear in boundaries. And I got a lot of deep friendships while I was in school. But what happened was after I graduated, God was, he was molding my heart for missions. And I knew I was going to be sent. And so while I knew that vow had been lifted, that now that I graduated, okay, I can date, I can pursue marriage, I was kind of putting it off. Then God sent me to Korea. And I'm living in the children's home. And I found myself just focusing on the kids. Just focusing on them. And I remember people here at the church would be like, why don't you hang out? Like, well, when I hang out, I hang out with the kids. I go bowling with the kids. I watch movies with the kids. You know, that was my life. And uh, I just ignored the thought of marriage. It took years to the point where, you know, 2006, 7, 8, people are like, hey, when are you going to get married? Hey, you know, when are you going to pursue someone? You know, what's going on? And uh, finally, I started to open my heart up, 2008. And I thought, oh, I'll get married in 2009. You know, this is the time. I've been obedient to the Lord. Nothing was happening. And then in 2009, towards the end of 2009, God began to do some deep inner healing in my heart. And it was through a couple of prophetic friends at this house. Um, they were praying for me, and they were like, I, I see like two arrows in your heart. I'm like, oh, thanks, you know. <laughs> but uh, it was, I was actually already kind of going through this inner healing, but I didn't know what was going on. And, and so they're just like, I feel something, something's going on. And, and so I, I prayed into it. I took like a week of, of just fasting and, and praying and asking God, you know, what are you trying to do? And God revealed within me that uh, I didn't fully trust the Lord that I could be satisfied in marriage. I had been so hurt and disappointed through past relationships or pursued relationships from my past and I gotten a bit bitter, bitter and really seeing the flesh for, for the opposite sex and for myself in terms of expectations, in terms of character flaws, in terms of no matter how hard you try, you can't fully satisfy someone. You just can't. And so in my mind, I felt like if I were to marry someone, I just know that there's no way as hard as I try that I can meet every expectation or, or truly make that person happy and vice versa. We can make each other happy to a degree, but when we hit that point where it's just, man, we, we, I can't be that for you or, or I can't do that for you, that disappointment or that fear of disappointment is too strong for me to even want to, to, fo- to, to face. And so I had that in me, and so I thought, okay, well, this is more of a fear or futility in, in marriage. But God turned it around, and he said, no, this is a belief that I can't fulfill you in marriage. This is a belief, you, you can't believe me, this is God speaking to me, you can't believe me that I will take care of your needs in marriage, just like I've taken care of your needs for family and for friends and for provision and all these things in your life. This is one area you can't trust me in. And I knew it was because, because of these hurts from my past. It wasn't that, you know, somebody did something traumatic to me. It was just I took on some different lies from those past relationships. And they had been dormant for so many years because I, I just was ignoring dating. But as it was coming back into my face, I was, I was being faced with these things. I was realizing, I don't know if I really want to pursue someone. So I had to pray. And uh, I had to start to put my faith more in the Lord rather than in my ability to please someone 
and in someone else's ability to please me. I had to put my trust in the Lord that he wasn't just going to give me someone that with a big heart for North Korea, missions heart, ready to you know, die for the Lord. You know, that's what I was imagining here. I'm a missionary. I'm all out. I'm, I'm here for my life. You know, I, I feel called to go to North Korea to build orphanages there. How many of you really want to do that? You know, not really many people like that. So in my mind, oh, OK, I'm just going to have to marry some like zealous, crazy prayer woman that, you know, it will, will go with me in that. And I realized that I just knew that I wouldn't be satisfied. While ministry would be great, my soul would be empty. And God had to convict me. And he said, I'll meet all your needs. You just got to stop trying to put your, your joy or your expectation in someone. Because no one can fulfill it. But if you put my expecta- your expectation in the Lord, I will fulfill your needs through people. And I'll take care of you. And when they fail you, because we're all imperfect, you're not going to be crushed, just like you weren't crushed when Yunji left. You're going to be saved because you know that my love for you is constant. And while you can forgive that person, your love is actually going to grow stronger. So God had to, he had to correct my issues that were, I thought they were physical issues. They were very much spiritual. It was faith in the Lord. It was that my expectations were off. My trust in the Lord was off. So God, God had to shift these things. And I know some people who refuse to date because they have fear that the person that they marry is going to be unfaithful to them. That the person that they marry, they might catch looking at pornography or might suddenly stop being romantic or might just lose interest after having kids or, or something like that. And uh, we've had different leaders come up to Sky and I for a counsel about this fear, deep fear in their hearts regarding marriage because they've seen their parents who divorced or they've seen close friends who divorced because of unfaithfulness or or because of different issues and they don't want that to happen to themselves just like i was afraid of disappointment they're afraid of that that rejection or or just that despair that may come and i'll be honest when we counsel these people we can't tell them don't worry the person you marry will be perfect he will be blameless in all his ways. Can't do that because we are imperfect people. We make mistakes. And so we reassure these different leaders and say, look, in this house, we have accountability. Okay? We have standards and we have covering where we're looking out for each other. This isn't just, hey, I'm preaching right now. I'm done with a sermon. Goodbye. I don't care about your life. It's not like that at all. This is family right here. And so we're going to look out for each other. And if, if there's a couple or if there's someone that is in need, we're not just going to ignore them. We're going to reach out. We're going to challenge. We're going to discipline. We're going to do all that we can do to build each other up. But, you know, just as you can't put your expectation in your spouse and, and think your spouse is going to meet everything, you also can't put your expectation just in your pastor. You can't put it in me, guys. I'm, I'm not perfect. You can have a healthy expectation that I will love and that I will do my best, but you cannot have an expectation that I will never make a mistake, that I will never lose my temper, or that I will never, you know, just mess up or preach a bad sermon or, or anything like that. We're all imperfect. Your expectation has to be in the Lord. You being here can't be, oh, I'm here because Pastor John leads worship and Soleil leads worship. Okay, they might be gone next month, they might be gone in a year, or they might be moved around. Then what are you going to do? Suddenly your expectation is lost, and, and, and maybe it's time to go. You should be here not because of man, you should be here because of God. That when you come into this house, whether you're a newcomer or you've been here for years, that you catch spirits here. I feel peace being here. That's what I did when I first came to this church. It was called JSEM. January 1st, 2006, Pastor David Hong was the pastor then. And uh, I remember, you know, I sat through a couple services. Pastor Christian, our pastor, gave a special sharing. Uh, he was given 10 minutes, and he shared for 45 minutes. <laughs> this really happened. And, uh, and then Pastor Dave got up, and he's like, I know we should be ending right now, but I have a sermon I have to give. And he preached for another hour. And uh, I thought, do I really want to be here? But I prayed about it, and I felt the Spirit of God is here. I want to stay here. And, uh, and so I, I stayed. 
and I committed. And when Pastor David Huang founded Jubilee Church later that year, he asked me, hey, I want you to come, come with me to Jubilee. Uh, but for me, I wasn't going to church because of Pastor Dave. I wasn't going to church because of Pastor Christian, who was just a, a regular leader then, or, or anyone else. I was going because of the Spirit of the Lord. And so I prayed into it. I said, let me pray. And honestly, my heart wanted to go to Jubilee because I love Pastor Dave and I love many of the other leaders that went there. But when I prayed, I felt God saying, stay, stay with a remnant. This church went from like 150 people down to about 60 after Jubilee was planted. But I just felt like God was saying, stay. My expectation was in no person. Guys, it wasn't in the, the pastor, Pastor Sam, who took over. It wasn't in the worship leader, Brian Kim, at the time. It wasn't in Chris, Pastor Christian, who was just a prayer team leader. It was just in what God was doing here. And I will tell you guys, God has not disappointed me once. I have never been disappointed. There have been Sundays where sometimes the praise has been really rough. Okay, we've been through a lot of praise leaders. There were some Sundays over the years where it was just, it was bad. There were some Sundays where the preaching... Uh, wasn't as strong and there were times in the fellowship you know we'd have different issues come up but i was never shaken and i was never like oh, i'm just gonna go to another church see my expectation again it wasn't in man it was in the lord and it was what he was doing here fear demonstrates a lack of trust in god's love fear that we might lose someone or lose something you see we all have an expiration date everything in our life has an expiration date. You guys might be in love with your iPhone right now, but in a couple of years, you're going to be so angry at it because it's going to get so slow and it's going to get so dumb. You know, it's just like, what is wrong with this? It's, you're going to get a new one. But this is how we often live life is that what we're enjoying right now, we just treasure and, and we love it so much. And all this friendship that I have, it's so great. And, and all this job that I have, I never want to leave this job. Everything has an expiration date. Sooner or later, that job is going to end, whether you're just going to get too old or your position is going to change. Sooner or later, that friendship is probably going to change. Somebody's going to get married and, and just things, things get different. Your trust can never be in man. It can never be fully dependent on an object or something of this world. Your trust must be fully dependent on the Lord. When it's dependent on him, you can enjoy these things. You can rejoice in these friendships. You can enjoy the people around you and you don't have to be afraid. What if they leave? Because you know every good and perfect gift is from him and that he'll provide you with that new iPhone you know, when it comes. He'll provide you with everything that you need. There's no fear in love. Even for marriage. Even if the worst case scenario happens. Okay? And everything that you feared happens. And that, that spouse just does everything wrong. Your trust is in the Lord. And you know, I'm not the author and perfecter of this person's faith. My pastors are not the author and perfecter of this person's faith. But God is. And God is a strong God. God is an anointed God. God is a consuming fire. God is a scary God. And I'm going to pray to him. And I'm going to pray, God, you do your work in this person. You come in all your glory. Okay? And my trust is in you. My trust is in you. This is the heart. That we have to have. And you got to understand that as you just look to him, he'll take care of you. And even if there's a season of, of just darkness, God's still in the darkness. Though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we will fear no evil. For our God is with us. His rod and his staff, they comfort us. I wanted to say on the flip side, you know, some people have that fear of relationships. Other people are, are on the other side and they think... My husband is going to fix my life. Everything is going to be great. Okay, what you got to understand is your expectations, and this is the reason why they have to be fully in God, they create burdens. And they create burdens that no one, no one can fulfill. I've heard people uh, say these types of things. Let me look on here. Where did I write it? They say, oh, he must, he's going to have flowers. He's going to open the car door. He's going to write me sweet letters. He's going to cook for me. He's going to smile at me at all times. He's going to know how to read my mind and care for my every emotion. That when I'm sad, I won't have to say a word, but he'll just come and hold me. And that when I want adventure, he'll know what to do for that date. And he'll make that date just the most adventurous date. But when I'm tired, he'll know it when he pulls up. And he'll take me just to, no. It doesn't work like this at, at all. 
you will be so disappointed. You will be sorely disappointed. That doesn't mean that, oh, he's the wrong person because he can't fulfill all those things. It's that your expectations are, are off. Your expectation for joy, I'm not happy unless I have these things. It's dependent on that man or dependent on that woman. Once again, your joy must be dependent on God. There is no such thing as a perfect match here on earth. Just going to make this clear to you guys. There are matches made in heaven. My wife and I are a match made in heaven. We are perfect for each other. Our love is so deep. It's so much fun. I'm so happy I'm married with Sky. But here on earth, when we act in our flesh, and suddenly we're not acting like that match made in heaven, and we're starting to, you know, like waking up on the wrong side of the bed and just like, oh, you know. Suddenly we're not, not that perfect, okay? And things can get a little tough. And I, I have to laugh when I hear different guys when they're falling in love with someone and they'll be like, oh, she's just, she's beautiful. She's artistic. She just, she's poetic. She, she's, she's adventurous. She's everything I ever wanted. She's, she's beautiful. And that's sweet. And I think that's great. And I kind of laugh to myself and think, just wait until he finds out. Just wait until he discovers those things that she's kind of hiding from him. And uh, this stuff comes out, guys. You realize at some point in the relationship that, man, this person isn't perfect. And it's better that you realize this stuff out before you get married. But even after you get married, suddenly now you're living with each other and you're seeing how they handle certain chores and you're seeing, you know, their sleeping habits and you're seeing their eating habits and you're seeing the way that they organize their life. And suddenly it can get a little like, man, this isn't what I wanted. I, I didn't know that this person talks in their sleep and rolls around, you know, or, or anything like that. And I'll be honest, and, and I say this, we share this with every couple when we do premarital counseling, because it's important for you guys to get this. Every, almost every couple that we've counseled, and I haven't asked every single person, but I found this come out in a lot of couples, including those couples that are clearly matches made in heaven. If you hear my story of how Sky and I came together, you will know this is God-ordained. Their marriage is so God-ordained. There is no mistake. But there were still moments where separately there was this doubt that would suddenly come in. Am I supposed to be with this person? Am I really supposed to be with this person? And what I found with a lot of guys, and I'm not saying this happens to every guy, but with a lot of guys, usually either right before the engagement or after the engagement, at some point, suddenly their eyes are opened a bit more to all the girls around them. And it's not that they have eyes of lust. It's not that they're being unfaithful in any way. But suddenly they just start to, as they've been noticing the wonderful attributes in the person that they're with, it's like their mind's been trained in that way, and they start to notice the wonderful attributes in other women as well. And they start to wonder, did I make a mistake being with the person that I'm with? Okay, that sounds horrible, but it's an honest moment that guys are often confronted with. And what I found with a number of women is that it usually happens after they're married. Now, it could happen before, but after they're married. In just bad day, things aren't working, expectations not, not working, you know, emotions running high, and suddenly it's like, I don't know if we're supposed to be together. I, I, don't, I don't know if I'm really happy. Oh, man, that's so scary, like when, when, when that happens or, or if that happens. But I honestly believe it's not an attack of Satan. It's by God to confirm your love and to rid you of every expectation that is idolatrous in that person. And instead, base your love on choice. Base your love on giving rather than receiving. Base your love on, on the joy from the Lord and, and giving this person to you. Okay? Because when, when I had that moment with Sky, I'll, I'll tell you my moment, it just sounds so silly. And I, I, I thought it was demonic at first, and maybe it was, but I think God kind of allowed it. My moment with Sky was we're dating, and we're in, in uh, Hongdae, and we have some curry. We're having a great time. And my feet start to hurt really bad, okay? My, my feet are just they're kind of flat foot. So they're hurting, and we're walking around. And she's just, Hongdae, you know, she's having, she's having a great time. And I just, I just start going to a bad place. And uh, I'm, just, I'm just hurting. And, you know, she, she wants to, she's like looking at some little, like, cute figurines. And I, I just couldn't figure out, and I, I still don't know. There's some times where she's like, oh, this is so great. And I'm like, should I buy it or should I not? Like, 
does she, is she really meaning it or is she not? Because there's been moments where she's like, oh, this is so cute. And she'll put it down and like, forget it. You know? And then, and then there'll be other times though where she'll like, and then we'll go home and she'll be like, oh, that like, I really wish I had that. You know? And, and it was one of those moments where I'm like, what do I do? Like, do I get this little stitch toy or, or do I not? And I was feeling that expectation, that unhealthy burden of, I, I don't know, you know, if I can like satisfy, satisfy her, you know, he's just like, I, I can't read her mind and, and I don't know what's going on. And, and I just like, I can't remember what happened, whether I got it or not, but, but I didn't get it. I didn't get it. It was a silly, silly little stitch thing. And so we go back, we go back to uh, her apartment. You know, this is, I think when we were just dating and uh, we go up there she's fine. She's all happy. And uh, I, I just, I, I'm in the living room, just kind of laying down on, on the couch, resting my feet while she's taking care of stuff, you know, apartment maintenance and everything. And uh, I just start to go into that dark place. And once again, those memories from past relationships, that disappointment and that, frustration and it's like i was feeling it kind of like come on in that in that moment and and suddenly like you know different doubts and different things started to come upon me and i was like you know do i really want this you know is is this the right choice and uh i had to lay there and and then i i I felt like when you doubt in god we're all christians we all love the lord but there's moments where suddenly you might have a moment of doubt and this is the same in in marriage and this is what i'm trying to communicate this isn't something you need to fear it's just kind of life i believe in god i believe in jesus i believe in the holy spirit i believe in him so much but there are just some days that are hard and some days where it's like man is god really real and it just sounds like horrible i'm a pastor you know like how, how am i saying that but but there are like moments where you can just feel like is he really here and it's in those moments you got to remember, what has he done in my life? What is my testimony? How has God provided me for me every year? And as I remember those things, and as I remember his attributes, strength comes within me. And it's like, oh, man, guys, what am I doing? You know, what am I thinking? And that faith gets strong. And it's the same in, in a relationship. And it was in that moment I had to lay there and be like, wait, 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 wait. How did, how did God bring us together? What is our past? What do I love about Scott? And as I began to do that, I was just, man, what was I thinking? And what was going on in that moment? And, and you, to be honest, through that processing, my love for her and my commitment to her, she had no idea this was going on. I'm just like laying there. It grew so much stronger. It grew so much stronger. And so there are going to be times in your lives, guys, where you're going to be conflicted and you're going to wonder, should I really be with this person or, or should I really do these things? And if you just say, my expectation is fully dependent on this job or fully dependent on this person, it is going to fail. And you're going to have heartache. But it's when you bring it to the Lord and you say, my trust is in you, my joy is in you. And even if there seems to be some stuff that's off here, I've seen how you've led and I have your heart and it's my joy to love this person. It's my joy to serve this person. I'm not here to receive. I'm here to give. For it is better to give than to receive. Give me the heart of Christ. And when two people have that heart, marriage is so strong. Never be disappointed. You will be so blessed. These are the expectations, guys, that I want you guys to have. That your expectation is not going to be in man. It's not going to be in physical attributes kills me when someone, you know, I, I ask them, what do you like about your girlfriend? Oh, she's cute. Anything else? Oh, she's cute. You know, she's angry. She's cute. When she's sad, she's cute. Okay, we'll see what happens in 10 years, you know, if, if you'll have that same view or in 20 years or in 30 years. In so many marriages, I said, matches made in heaven, but here on earth, when you're in the flesh, it's not so good. It's, that's why so many marriages are divorcing because they're in the flesh and they're seeing all the flesh and, and the other person and themselves and they're like, forget this. We're going to get divorced. I thought we were a match made in heaven, but, you know, enough of this. But when you see each other in the spiritual, when you see God's grace on the other person, there's a love that is so deep. It doesn't matter how old you get. It doesn't matter what disease you may contract. It doesn't matter what poverty you may go through for better, or for worse, for richer, or for poorer, till death do you part. That love is so strong. 
That love is so deep. And so when I talk to people and I ask them, what do you like about a person? And they begin to describe attributes that are deep in that person, spiritual attributes or just character things that connect. And then they say, you know, that I I became attracted to that person actually later as I got to know that person. I began to see the true beauty in that person. That's when I know that's a love that will last until your, your, your deathbed. It will last when you're 100 because you see the true beauty in that person. You're not looking at the skin. You're not looking at, at just the cheeks or, or, or the face. You're looking at the heart. And when you see that true beauty, you will never be disappointed. I've shared this before, but God's blessed me with a gift where I've been able to see certain people glow with the love of Christ. Okay, this is Moses. When he came down the mountain, his face was glowing. Okay, and he had to cover his face because he had met with the Lord. And there's been some times in my life where I've seen certain people where they've been just either going through a deep season of intimacy with the Lord or they've been going through a deep season of persecution, deep season of testing, and they've remained true. And when I've seen them, I've seen glow. And when I see that glow on that person's face, I see a beauty that is far greater than any celebrity, than any magazine, than any beauty of this world. It's the true beauty. We are all made in Christ whether we're big or small or, or whatever ethnicity, whatever background, we are all made in the image of Christ. And when you see in the spiritual, you see the true beauty. And, and even some, some other guys, they, they might not have seen the glow, but they would come up to me like, I've never noticed that girl before. Wow, she, you know, she's, so, she's so beautiful. And I'll know, yeah, that's the beauty of Christ. That's the fragrance of Christ. And guys, my expectation for this house is that you guys are going to get deep, friendships in this house, like I have with Yunji, that God is going to provide for your soul as you are here. He's going to meet the needs of your mind, will, your emotions, through relationships, through friendships, with guys with guys, girls with girls, and, and co-ed as well. And that my prayer is that many of you will also marry. And that all of your love will be not based on the physical, will not be based on some expectation on the other person, but it will always be rooted in the Holy Spirit. It will always be rooted in what God is doing in that person's life and who God made that person to be. And so your expectation is never on that person. It's on the Lord doing the good work in that person. This sermon uh, is Joy and Expectation. Why I titled it Joy and Expectation is the first fruit of the Spirit is love. And when you have true love in a house where there's safety, where there's not worldly expectations, where there's not, you know, you got to fulfill this in order for me to be happy. When it's true love, I'm here to serve. I'm here to bless the name of the Lord. When you have that safe love, the second fruit of the Spirit is joy. That's what follows, is joy. And what I want you guys, as you pray into this house, and as you get different expectations for this season and for the future, and for what God is calling this church to be, that there will be a deep, joy within you because you will know in your heart of hearts this is a place of love this is a place of safety we're not putting expectations of man upon you we're looking at each of you as sons and daughters of the living god he's the author and perfecter you guys might make mistakes we might have to discipline you just like a father disciplines his son but that doesn't mean we'll ever reject you that doesn't mean we'll ever ostracize you there's love there's safety in this house, as you join a community group, as you maybe go on leadership or you get involved at the campus fellowship, I want you guys to feel safe. I want you guys to get deep expectations. And I want you guys to have expectations that have no fear. Have no fear of, oh, I'm only here six months, so I'm only going to go this deep. Oh, I don't know how long these people will be here, so I'm only going to love them this much. But it's going to be a heart and knowing, man, I'm going to love them with all I got. I'm going to enjoy my time here. With all that I have, I'm going to rejoice in my Lord. And if God leads me elsewhere, I will be safe. Because my expectation, my strength is in Him. I want you guys to open your Bibles. I want to close with this passage in Ephesians 3. Yeah, before I read it, you know, I have to say that as God brought me through that season of healing, God convicted me. You don't marry for ministry. You marry for love. And uh, God really convicted me. I wasn't meant to marry some crazy prayer lady that fasts every day, you know, and is ready to go into North Korea. But I'm supposed to marry someone that there will be certain areas that will feed my soul. And as I prayed and as I reflected on my past, I realized that what I really needed was someone that I could just 
be myself with, be goofy, uh, be silly. Believe it or not, I'm kind of a silly guy. <laughs> uh, and then, uh, you know, have fun with, just be yourself. And, and God revealed that to me uh, in Sky. And I'll, I'll share that love story later on. But our love is so deep. It's so strong. I'm truly satisfied. Um, am I perfect? No. Is she perfect? No. Are there things that, you know, we'd want to change about each other? Maybe, but it's those things that enable us to love. It's those things that really enable us to serve the other. And that's what makes our love so strong because we've made that choice. Man, we love you for everything that you are. Every blemish, every little thing, you're beautiful through and through because I see you with spiritual eyes. Look at Ephesians chapter 3. It's a beautiful prayer. I'm going to invite the praise team up as I read this. Verse 14 through 21. This is Paul speaking. The church of Ephesus, he says, for this reason, I bow my knees before the father from every family in heaven and on earth is named that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints. What is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever amen to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think or imagine. Church, I want us to just take a moment. We're going to pray. I want you guys to just close your eyes. Just like I did when I came to JSEM, Jairsongdo English Ministry, in 2006, January 1st. I want you guys to pray and ask, God, are you doing something here? Are you calling me to be here? What are you stirring in this place? I want you guys to just ask that. And I want you guys to ask God. God, give me expectation. And if you have fear, if you have different different idols, if you have different things that I've, I've shared about in my own life, I want you guys to just repent of those and say, God, in this place, I'm putting the fullness of my expectation in you. All of my hope is in you, Lord. So let's just take a moment. Let's ask God, God, what are you doing in this place? What should I expect? I'm giving my heart to you.